This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am excited to be joined in studio by Paul Angoni. He is the author of 25 Lies 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing. And y'all know if you have been listening to my podcast for any time at all or reading my books or following me on Instagram, this whole lies thing and how these lies can destroy us and stifle us and hold us back is something that I'm really passionate about. And so Paul is going to talk about some of these lies and we're going to just dive into this discussion and I think it's going to be really, really insightful. But Paul, before we get into the lies, I just love for you to take a minute to introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Thank, hey, thanks for having me on, Crystal. It's an honor being here. Uh, yeah, I became passionate about talking to teenagers, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, really anybody going through transition, anybody going through change, and anybody in the process feeling like they've missed their chance, they're a mm-hmm. failure, they, they've blown it. Everybody is experiencing the success that they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I became passionate about, about that because I felt like that for so many years. I just felt like a complete failure. And it felt like this mystery of, uh, of everybody seems to be doing well. They figured it out. I'm the only one. I'm the only one struggling. And so that's why I started writing and thinking about these topics. Because as I started reaching out and talking to people and actually having honest conversations, I started realizing I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. We're just all very good at hiding it mm-hmm. and cloaking it and living in this kind of dark place. And so I, I wanted to bring light. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. So this is my fourth book, but I'm really passionate about going after these lies. Cause like you mentioned, 
it's really important, especially mm-hmm. in today's world where these lies are keeping us stuck. They're holding us back. And, and, they're, and, and, and they're coming from the liar. You know, the liar is speaking all these mm-hmm. lies into our mind. And I'm really about how, how do we get to truth? How do we get to wisdom? How do we get to living a good, full, purposeful, meaningful mm-hmm. life? Mm-hmm. So you have four books. I think you also have the same number of children. Is that That's right? right. Good job. You have four kids, four books. Each book is dedicated to a kid. I love that. So, so you better have some more kids, you know, I guess. At some point, I think that's the ratio is going to have to get <laughs> skewed a little bit, hopefully, because uh, we just took four kids in a, on a road trip here to Nashville from Denver. So we can't fit much more in that <laughs> minivan or we're going to be in big, big trouble. What are their ages? 10, 8, 4, and 2. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm self-employed, uh, and my wife and I have switched back and forth mm-hmm. with uh, raising the kids. So we're constantly just in the flow of life, kind of passing kids to each mm-hmm. other back and forth. So I definitely know what it's like to to also be raising kids, to be raising young ones, to know how hard and difficult that is. Mm-hmm. And now you see them start to replicate some of the bad patterns you have, mm-hmm. and now it becomes even more real in your face as far as you know. I, I got to break apart these lies because now I want my kids to live a really good, fruitful life. Mm. Um, but yeah, life is very full, very busy, as you know, uh, trying to do business, trying to write books, but also trying to keep four kids alive. <laughs> and so when you were writing this book with 25 lies, did you struggle with kind of figuring out which lies to put in this book? Or did you feel like that... You know, I feel like 25, that's a lot of lies, but do you feel like there are so many more that people are believing? Are these like, this is it? Um, Well, some of my other books were 101 things. So 25 actually (laughs) felt like a nice reprieve. Like I took took a break by only tackling 25. Um, You know, I feel like there's probably more. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I write in a way that if it's not deeply personal to me Mm. or something that I'm really experiencing or I'm noticing uh, through the trends that other a lot of other people are going through something like this. That's how I write. I don't do these huge research studies for years and then and then get down to this mm-hmm. technical twenty five. It's more nuanced than that. And and while I do think there's other lies that people are probably struggling with, I don't think I've just captured them all. These are the kind of the core key ones mm-hmm. with relationships, with mindset stuff, with uh, fears and insecurities and doubts, with faith. Um, they're all in this to try to mm-hmm. tackle, Hey, what do I think is the most important? So for me, I really, it, it's an, it's an intense time to write a book. I, I don't know about for you, Crystal, but I feel the weight of it. And I really pour everything I have into it because I can't, I can't talk about a book if I don't feel like I've mm-hmm. done my absolute best with it and, um, and given everything I had to it and just really did what I did the best I could. So I feel like that's what happened with this book. And hopefully I've captured a lot of the the main lies mm. that I think are really important for today's world. And you open up with this really powerful story. Can you kind of take us back to that story? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how do you start a book about lies? And then this story kept coming back to me that I lived through of being in San Diego in our condo community at the time. And we started hearing a bunch of shouts and yelling outside. It was late at night and we lived in a quiet community. So this seemed strange. And I started, stepped out to my balcony and up on the third story was a man, uh, my neighbor, who was now standing on the ledge threatening to jump. Mm. And there was a police officer in his apartment and there was police officers down below. And um, I didn't know what to do in that moment of, do I go back inside and pretend nothing is happening? Do I keep watching Netflix and pretend like this man is not threatening to jump? Or do I stay there? Do I try to talk to him? 
well, what if I say the wrong thing? Um, what do I, what do I do? I didn't know what to do. I just felt like I should be there for him in that moment in case he wanted to talk to somebody. So hours and hours went by. The man finally, uh, started talking to me and we'd, we'd seen each other. We'd said hi to each other. I didn't even know his name. And, um, I didn't know what I was going to tell him. What do you say to somebody like that? And he started talking to me and the only things that I could think to tell him, and it just started coming out was I care about you and I don't want to see you jump. I care about you. And to watch those words hit somebody that was so tense and, and, and on this literal ledge where he might end his life and to watch the words, I care about you hit him and to watch his whole body deescalate and for him to be quiet and just to hear that. And I really felt like it was God's truth mm-hmm. for him, that God's heart was saying, Hey, I love this man and just tell him that. Um, and, and that was a really powerful image for me. And that's why I started that, the book with that story. Cause I feel like so many of us are on that ledge right now. And, and I feel like we need more people to just stand there with us, to stand on that balcony with us and to say, you know what? I care about you. Let's take a step back towards hope, towards truth. Uh, you have an amazing life in front of you. Uh, we have to war for hope sometimes. We have to really fight for it together mm-hmm. in, in community. And so I felt like that was my role as an author for this book, to be on that balcony with this book and being like, you know what? No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Those are a bunch of lies. I care about you. And let's step back and let's talk about it. So you said war for hope. We yeah. have to war for hope. Let, let's dive into that. What do you What do you mean by that? Yeah, you, I, I went through a long period in my 20s again where I felt like a failure. And, and mainly I was trying to get books published. Mm-hmm. And every publisher was saying like, who are you? Like, why? We would never publish a book by you. Mm-hmm. Like, you maybe should find another line of business. And so I was just getting rejected and rejected. And so much of that was weighing on me. And we were living in L.A. at the time. And uh, I would hike up above the Hollywood sign. So Griffith Park, it's mm-hmm. like the only spot you can get anywhere that's remotely close to wilderness in LA. And so I'd hike above the Hollywood sign. And that's what I felt like I was doing. And I would go up to the, the above the Hollywood sign. I'd be looking over LA and I would be warring for hope. Mm. So I'd be declaring really what I felt like was the truth of my life. And, and the truth that I felt like God had spoken over me or that I wanted to be in the future of just, you know, I have a future, I have a hope. Um, I'm going to inspire people. I'm going to speak truth into their life. Even though no publisher will re- return an email right now, like that is not my truth. Mm. And so that's what I felt like I was doing. I had to go up there and I was warring for hope uh, because I don't think hope is a passive thing. And I don't think it's a naive thing. I think it's a powerful truth that we hold on to that says, you know what, I know the hope of my future. Uh, I, I know how meaningful it is. So even if it doesn't feel like that right now, even if I can't see it, any of it right now, I'm going to war to keep that and to have that faith. And that's really what helped carry me through uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and then also asking myself this question of who will I not be able to help if I give up now? Mm. And, and that question too, is what kept carrying me forward. Cause I was, I knew there was people out there. I, I knew it that were going through something similar to what I was going through. And if I gave up, I wouldn't be there for them on that ledge, mm. um, years from now. And that was my thinking. I, I, they, they need me there seven years from now. And if I give up now, I won't be there. And so I think for any of us that are going through something or you're working towards what you feel like is a dream or purpose or just your career, um, you know, yeah, we we can't see it all. We don't know the outcomes, but we got to keep taking those steps because we don't know who we're going to help down the road. I love how you talk about hope not being something that's passive. And I think that really ties into when we're talking about lies. 
because we can just be passive Mm -hmm. and we can sit there and just believe the lie and just be like, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. This is just what it is. And I talk a lot about cutting your grocery bill. That's something that I talk a lot about online. And I get so much resistance Mm. to just sharing about our $70 grocery budget because people are always like, but I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And that'll never work for me. And you don't understand. I'm like, I never said you needed to have a $70 yeah. grocery budget, but I feel like we we hit that resistance a lot, no matter what we're sharing, because people want to stay stuck. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable yeah. to stay stuck, but they don't ultimately want to stay stuck. Yeah. They just, it's a lot of work It is to have to get up and change something. Yeah. So for someone who is listening and they're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm believing lies and I am kind of stuck here and I... I have this dream, but I've sort of given up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have for for someone who, who wants to take that next step, but they're scared or it yeah. feels overwhelming to them? Well, first of all, if, you f- if you're wrestling with this and you're thinking about it, that's a f- great first step. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, there are a couple steps further back where they don't think they're believing any lies. They don't feel like they're stuck. They feel like something's amiss, but they won't be honest about, you know what, I do need to make some changes. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking right now, man, I feel like I need to make some changes. I need to change the trajectory of my life. That is an amazing first step because now you're bringing intentionality to the process. And and, and this is going to take a lot of intentionality to start changing habits, routines, mindsets, uh, the record player that's been playing in our mind of this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. Usually I feel like it's not the most positive. It's usually somewhat negative and start changing those lies. And so I even talk about that, the the liar and the voice that comes to me when I'm starting to write a book, the liar, I know the liar is going to show up and say, who are you to write a book? I think you've said all you need to say. Um, This is going to fail, all this stuff. And I I literally have to stop that uh, and start retraining my mind to, again, kind of war for hope, but also speak truth over my life. And so I think we have to just start it's a gradual process of making those small changes. And then also, you know, if you're afraid, that's great. You know, that's a good, I think that's a good sign in some ways. Um, because, you know, what is fear holding you back from doing? And is it worth it? Is it worth being held back by fear? Um, no, it's not. You know, I think the biggest risk we can take in life is not taking any risks at all um, and living in fear. And I'm constantly reminding my readers, too, that the, the possibility for greatness to do something great and the possibility for embarrassment, they both exist in the same space. Mm-hmm. So you can't really do anything great uh, if you're not willing to be embarrassed in the process. And so we just have to be okay with that and let that go and be like, you know what? I am going to fail. It's not going to work out like I thought it should. Uh, and that's okay uh, because I'm taking those steps towards changing my life and getting unstuck. And then these amazing doors open that we could have never planned. We never could have seen unless we took the, enough steps to get around the next bend. And then it starts opening up in ways that are beyond what I think we're capable of at the starting line. This ties in so well to, we had John Acuff on and he was talking about the soundtracks that we believe and how we can let that negative narrative just keep us in this space that we don't even realize how much it's driving what we're doing. And then Jesse and I did a podcast just recently on stop saying I can't, where so often, like I talked about with the grocery budget, we're saying, I can't do that. That'll never work for me. And 
instead of that, really, I challenge people to say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. What can I do with what I have where I am? Mm-hmm. And you talked about you know, standing behind the Hollywood sign and having this dream of mm-hmm. wanting to write books. I'd love for you to then, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a long story like most people's, but um, I basically stopped waiting for a gatekeeper or a publisher to give me permission to speak to my audience. Mm. So I took a lot of steps back. I ended the uh, agreement I had with my literary agent because typically you need an agent mm-hmm. to get a book deal. But I just saw the writing on the wall. That wasn't going to happen. So the one thing I had going for me, I ended. And then I went back and I just started working on a website called allgrownup.com mm. and G-R-O-A-N, allgrownup.com, like you're groaning in mm-hmm. pain. And that's still my home base to this day. And I just started writing and writing and writing. And um, I had a lot of content out there. I'd been working at it for about eight to nine years of trying to do this with the website live about a year and a half, two years. And then I had, um, my wife looked at me one night and said, when's enough enough? Like, when do you need to give this up? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we had two kids. I was working full-time in marketing. I had a full-time job. So I was then trying to do all this on the side, Um, which I think is a good point for many of us is that I don't think we typically just chase our dream or settle and just do the job that we don't want to do. I think typically we're doing both at the same time and, and your dream is feeding you while you work at your job Mm. and your job is feeding you while you work at your dream. And most people do both alongside each other Mm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. So I was getting up early and at lunch breaks and, uh, you know, I was working in marketing and I had a bunch of friends there. They would go out to lunch together and I would say, well, I'm going to go work on a blog. And they'd be like, Oh, how cute, Paul, Mm -hmm. you're going to go work on a blog article. You know, are you going to go pet your kitten while you're there? You know, they just, they didn't get it. But I saw, again, I saw the vision and said, this is all purposeful for me. So I'm going to make the time Mm -hmm. to do this. The long story short is that, you know, my wife said, when's enough enough. And then about two weeks later, I wrote an article called 21 secrets to your twenties. And that thing uh, blew up and went viral. Mm -hmm. It crashed my website a few times. I didn't know that could be a problem. That was never a problem before. (laughs) So I'm pleading with my web server to get me back online. And then that became the tipping point moment. Mm. And because I had been writing and doing it for so long, there was so much content there that once it tipped, there was a lot of places for people to land. Uh, And so it wasn't just a one spike and then gone. It kind of changed the whole trajectory to then land a first book deal. And then the process of then how do you transition to this being my full-time life, Mm. which I've been doing for about six years now. Um, But yeah, a lot of lies and obstacles and things to overcome along that journey of pursuing a dream, going after it and making it my full-time life to where now I am a full-time author and speaker uh, and and loving it and love mm-hmm. that I get to do it full-time now. So I love that it was like you said, what do I have at my disposal? What mm-hmm. can I do? So I'm not getting this big thing that I really want. I yeah. want that book deal. That's not happening for me right now. Mm-hmm. But what's the next little step? that I can take. And I think so often we're looking at that huge thing that we want and Mm -hmm. thinking, if I just get there and we're not saying, what's the next tiny little step that I can take Mm -hmm. to get me there. And so you just kept taking those steps and kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And you built this really strong foundation 
so that when you did have that article go viral, Mm -hmm. you had so much foundation and backbone already built. I think a lot of times people just want that viral article and Mm -hmm. they don't want to put in the time Mm -hmm. that it takes. And so for everyone listening, I just want you to hear his story and hear that we need to just keep taking the next right step. Instead of just sitting there and being like, well, until the book deal comes, I just, I guess I can't do anything. What can you do with what you have where you are? So I bet you've had to confront a lot of lies in this journey. And so talk to us about how have you personally battled through some of those lies? Have they come back up of feeling like, you know, you talked about standing at the Hollywood sign and feeling like, you know, no one's no one's signing a book deal for me. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you felt some of those same, like that imposter syndrome and stuff as you've become more successful? Sure. Yeah. The lies never go away. Mm-hmm. And and there's, there's a lot of really unhappy people that have gotten all the things that they swore would make them happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm on this process of constantly reminding myself again, that there's no one outcome that's going to magically make me a happy person mm. or magically make me feel like, yes, now I'm fully myself, fully living in my purpose or whatever we want to say. There's no outcome that's going to do that for me. And if I'm not enough with less, I'm also not going to be enough with more. Mm. I'm actually probably going to be crushed by more. And so even looking back now, you know, if I would have gotten all the big dreams I was crying out for to be a best-selling author at 25 or 26, mm-hmm. I, I'd have been crushed. I literally would have killed me. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to handle the success or anything like that. Uh, I needed to grow a lot. And I'm constantly reminding, uh, you know, especially 20, 30 somethings that success really, I feel like in your 20s and 30s is more about setting the table than it is about enjoying the feast. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you got to build the table first before you can even set it. But it's the process of doing that, that you're, you're becoming successful. You're, you're growing your success. You're growing the foundation for it so that you can sustain it. Uh, but for, for me right now, it's, it, I, I'm trying to get away from being so focused uh, and obsessed with the outcome because there's always going to be, and, and you hear people talk about this a lot. There's always going to, they, they, they get their book, they get their business or whatever. And then they start looking at the other person who has a better book or more sales or better numbers or pastors that have bigger churches or whatever it is that we're using to uh, measure ourselves with, there's never going to be a number. There's never going to be an amount of likes. There's never going to be anything that fills that void for you. And so for me, it's constantly reminding myself that. And again, just being faithful, doing the best work I can, feeling good about the work I'm doing, feeling like it is important work, and then letting the outcomes go mm-hmm. and not controlling them, not putting my identity and having that ride on this perceived outcome in the moment. Because really, we have no idea in the moment if something is a failure or success. And we, and we rush much too quickly to define it as that. Where if we looked at the, the lens of eternity and we looked in the future and everything, that one failure of ours might change the world late down the road. Mm-hmm. We have just have no idea. But it, so many times in history, that's what happens. It's not through people's successes. It's through some of the biggest failures that changes the world. Mm-hmm. And so reminding myself that. Um, which is still a battle. It's not something that I just naturally do, um, but I'm trying to become better at that. So I want to shift gears as we kind of land the plane for this interview. I think there are a lot of women I talk to who have struggled with these lies, who are grappling with these lies, who are saying, I wish that I had recognized 
when I was 12 and 16 and 20 and 22 that I was believing these lies and I was allowing these lies to be the labels that I wore and that I led with and that were stifling me and holding me back. So how do we help this next generation, whether we are parents or whether we are working in youth ministry or whether we're just, you know, aunts or uncles or just in engaging the next generation? How do we help them to not have to deal with all oh of the gosh. baggage that we have dealt with and are dealing with? Wow, it's it's going to be a battle. Um, mm. And I think obviously the biggest changes that we're experiencing from generation to generation is the internet and social media. You know, that's one of the biggest mm. changes. You know, you used to have to go to your 10-year or 20-year reunion to look everybody up and down to see who's doing better than whom. Mm-hmm. And you just had to fake it for one night. So rent the BMW, like lose some weight, get a toupee, get a wife and some kids, get some friends to volunteer, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it took just to convince people that you were something. And then you could go back to your real life. Well, now that same phenomenon is being played out with every post, with everything on uh, Facebook and Instagram that we're trying to show that our life is really something. Mm -hmm. Everybody like us, everybody validate us. So when I look at my kids and the next generation that's coming, so much of their worth and validation is coming from that external stimulation of likes uh, coming through uh, these social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, used to be insecure in middle school. I was insecure. I had acne. I was overweight. Like I was depressed. I, I, I just was, it was a rough season for me. And, but I could come back home and I could be there and I could just be in my, with my family and ride my bike with my friend and I'd escape all that. For kids these days, there's no escaping, especially if they're on their phone, that it all comes with them. Mm-hmm. And so the comments and the things that all comes with them. So I talk a lot about obsessive connection disorder mm-hmm. and obsessive comparison disorder. And I really feel like these addictions through social media of constantly comparing, constantly connecting, where we won't wait one second before we pull out our phone, especially for us and let alone our kids, where they're constantly needing that something to fill that awkward void, that awkward silence. We, we've killed awkward in our society. We don't, we don't allow any awkward moments. Mm-hmm. It's always, let me fill this. Mm-hmm. I'm at a red light. Let me fill this. I don't want to sit in silence. I, I, I'm on a plane next to somebody. I don't want to talk to that person. Let me fill that with something. And so I feel like we just have no sense of who we are. And, and we're constantly just looking at headlines and there's so much noise. So I think it's trying to reduce the amount of noise as parents but also then for our children and trying to reduce that of who is, who's giving us the truth. Is it the internet and is it social media? Is it telling us the truth? Are we talking about it as a family? Mm -hmm. Are we praying about it? Are we sitting in silence and just going on a hike and listening? Um, I think that's going to be harder and harder, more radical to do uh, more so in the future than it even is right now. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking about um, as I'm thinking about my four kids and myself. I love you said we've killed awkward. (laughs) That is so profound. And I have a saying that I say a lot that we have to step into the awkward before we can, Mm. um, we, before we can step into the awesome. Yeah. And I was just thinking about that was kind of a different perspective of awkward than I Mm. usually think of when I say that statement, but how, yeah, like it's just, Oh, we feel a little uncomfortable. Let's pull out our phone, Mm. you know, and that let's get our affirmation from our phone. Or let's just hide behind our phone. Let's mm-hmm. make ourselves put a filter on so that we look better. Mm-hmm. We feel better that other people are like 
giving us those high fives virtually Mm -hmm. and how sometimes it's a real gift that we can give our kids to just have those moments where it's awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's when creativity happens. That's when ideas happen. That's when you meet somebody. And and I even think about, we talk about chance encounters with people. Mm. I think about it as not so chance encounters. The, the idea that you are even behind somebody at a coffee line. Mm. Like, I'll think about that. Like, what are the odds that me and this person are together right now in this point of history in this coffee shop? I was just telling you a story. I got my oil, oil change here in Nashville, and I'm sitting there next to Don Miller, who's an author who I've loved for years. And I'm looking in this, his window and it's, oh, it's Don Miller. And I, so I went over and talked to him. And that was one of those, like, what, what is the chances that Don mm-hmm. Miller and I were getting our oil change next to each other in, in Nashville? Pretty slim. Mm-hmm. And if I would have been on my phone the whole time, I would not have even noticed he was right there and he wasn't on his phone. So it was like this magical moment mm-hmm. where we're just like, oh, hey, let's talk. And uh, there's been many moments in my life where I've had some huge breakthroughs that have happened. And, and I talk about even going to conferences uh, and I'm, I'm a somewhat introverted person, so it can feel awkward to me, but I talk about at conferences going and doing the awkward wander. Mm. So no agenda, no idea what I'm going to do. I just kind of awkwardly wander around, like go to the tables of salespeople. And, um, I got a book deal that way by wow. meeting, meeting a sales rep who then introduced me to a marketing person, you know, and it was just cause I awkwardly wandered up to the table, struck up a conversation, hit it off. And then that changed the course of my life. So even some of those where we're bringing, again, intentionality, where we're not just mindlessly going through each day, because I think so many people, we want clarity in our lives. We're wondering like, why can't I have any breakthrough ideas? Why can't I, why do I feel so unclear about my future? We don't give it ourselves any time space to think, Mm -hmm. to just sit there and ponder and rest or jot down notes, like the details of your day want to tell you a lot. Mm. They want to tell you so much. Like that moment where you feel anxious, it, it wants to tell you something about your job or your relationship. It wants to tell you something, but we quickly just rush to fill that anxiety with my phone or let me eat something or whatever mm. it is to fill that awkward space instead of just sitting there and being intentional in that moment. And I feel like even those small little steps, those are, like you said, that's something we can all do right now is even just writing down what the details of our day are telling us. And that can have huge effects for down the road as we figure out, okay, yeah, now I'm gaining more clarity about my life. Mm. So want to change your life? Stop killing awkward. <laughs> That's Seriously. Right. And just listen and let yourself have those moments of quiet and pay attention to what's going on around you and step into those conversations because you never know. It could lead to a book deal. It could know. lead to that thing that you are wanting so much. Yep. You just stop killing awkward. I love that. Okay, I'm. I think I'm gonna start saying that statement. I, you should have trademarked it. <laughs> Jeff, you don't have a book named that or something. No, it's in a book, but it's not a book. So <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the podcast today, giving so much wisdom, so much encouragement. I feel like for people who are feeling stuck, and thank you for writing this book, Twenty Five Lies Twenty Somethings Need to Stop Believing. And of course, we will link to it in the show notes. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. 
Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.